trailblazers in research, innovators in technology, and those who simply have a good story. All make up the fabric that is George Mason University, Virginia's most diverse and innovative university. I'm John Hollis, and this is the Access to Excellence podcast. Hi, I'm John Hollis, and it's a pleasure to welcome you back to Access to Excellence. We're thrilled to be joined today by Jeanette Chapman, who is the director of the Stephen S. Fuller Institute within George Mason University's Shar School of Policy and Government. The Institute is the premier source of information and analysis of the greater Washington, D.C. regional economy. It identifies critical conditions and trends that impact the vitality of that economy. Jeanette joined Mason in 2013 as a research associate at the Center for Regional Analysis. Prior to her arrival, she was a research associate for economic growth and development at the downtown D.C. Business Improvement District, where she analyzed the major sectors of the downtown D.C. economy. Few people are as in tune to economic happenings in the DMV than Jeanette Chapman. Jeanette, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thank you for having me. Great. Well, let's just jump right into it, shall we? The global COVID-19 pandemic has just wreaked havoc on the entire global economy, Jeanette, in the metropolitan D.C. area hasn't been exempt. Just how bad has the damage been? Is there a reason for optimism that things will eventually bounce back in a reasonable amount of time? Right. So in the Washington area, we are a little bit unique in that we typically don't experience the same degree of business cycle contractions as the rest of the U.S. And this pandemic has been the exception here because it's a health crisis. And we have had a health crisis in the Washington region, just like the nation, frankly, the globe has at this point. And so as of the middle of April, we had lost about 9% of our jobs in the Washington area. That's a little bit milder than the the national decline. Nationally, about 13% of the jobs in the U.S. were lost in April but it's not that different. And this is unprecedented, just like, like the, the, the word of the last few months. This has been an unprecedented time for both the U.S. and for the Washington region. In past economic downturns, like you mentioned, the D.C. area had been largely spared because of close proximity to the federal government and the consistency there and with all. But why are things different this time, especially with, as far as job loss? Yeah. So about 30% of the Washington region's economy is reliant on the federal government, either directly because it's a direct federal job or indirectly because it's a federal contracting job. And the federal government is not responsive to business cycles in general. It, it doesn't have the same susceptibility to that. And the upside of that is that 30% of our economy is insulated from these downturns. The downside is that we also don't usually get the upside of the business cycle expansion either. But the usually recessions are caused by an economic contraction that's based in some sort of economic uh, misalignment. That's not the case here. This is a health crisis and the underlying cause of the decrease in demand is because it isn't safe to go out and do what we usually do. So it doesn't matter what kind of household it is. It doesn't matter if it's a household with federal employees or a household with private sector employees. No one is going to restaurants because it's not safe to go. So that cycle here has been broken a little bit from our usual pattern. And we are likely to continue to have the same difficulties as everywhere else in the U.S. right now because of the pandemic. You mentioned restaurants. I mean, obviously, when you think of some specific areas that are getting hit the most, you think of the retail business, the restaurant business. What other areas in the local economy are really feeling the pinch? And what could that mean down the road? 
So the leisure and hospitality sector overall, that includes hotels and restaurants and entertainment venues, it lost half of its jobs in April, both in the Washington area and nationally, just in broad terms. And that's a significant decrease. It's the fifth largest sector in the Washington area, and it's actually the fourth largest sector in the U.S. And this is has very significant ramifications, both in the short term, but also in the long term. In the short term, these jobs are off payroll. Some of them are being furloughed, but some of them have been laid off more permanently because there's no place for the consumer demand to go. Again, you can't go to restaurants, you can't go to museums or, or movie theaters. So those jobs have been temporarily gone. It's a shutdown of this sector of the economy. In the long term, the demand will come back. It will probably come back very slowly, and it will come back proportionately with how the health conditions change. And so it won't rebound immediately, and many consumers will actually probably end up being far more conservative with their consumer spending patterns because it is a recession, and so there has been income loss. And so people won't just immediately go back to restaurants and movie theaters and other types of retailers once things start to reopen. Things will happen incrementally. And so it will probably take upwards of two years for some of these individual sectors to recover. You you mentioned that, but when you think of Washington, D.C. in the summer, you think of tours flocking to the National Mall, hotels and museums at full capacity. Obviously, this could be a big hit to the tourism industry, but also you mentioned you talked about the ancillary ones as well that depend on tourist dollars. Could the economic fallout be far worse than originally anticipated if things don't turn around in a rather speedy time? Absolutely. There, there is always, there's much more downside risk on all of the economic forecasts than there usually is. The longer the pandemic lasts and the worse the health crisis gets, the more complicated the economic situation becomes. Now, for the leisure and hospitality and the tourism uh, industry in general, the largest revenue generating activity is actually in the spring. And much of that has been lost for the entire year. There was no Cherry Blossom Festival. That won't happen again until next year. And so we're not going to get those tourists back later in the year because that opportunity has been missed until again next spring. And so the summer activity levels are usually also driven by some student-based travel for education purposes, and a lot of those venues are closed. That won't be happening. We will have significant declines in that leisure and hospitality sector for at least this year and probably well into next year. The secondary part of this is that business conventions have been postponed, and it will take, again, probably two years for the planning and the reestablishment of a business convention because those take at least 12 months to plan. So that's gone, again, for, for quite some time. Let me ask you this. So assuming the pandemic is contained within the next few months, you know, everybody's kind of taking some consolation saying, well, things will pick up once we get a you know, handle of this virus. But how long do you see it taking the local economy to building it back up to the previous levels? So things will absolutely start to pick back up as we get control on the pandemic. It will be incremental. The relative good news in our economy is that we are primarily a knowledge-based economy. And a lot of our bread and butter industries have been less disrupted by the pandemic. They've had revenue streams. Their workers are able to work from home 
our professional and business service jobs only contracted by a little bit in April, and most of that loss was on the administrative side, and most of those jobs will come back when offices can open back up. And actually, our high-value professional and technical services jobs had gains in April. So there are some industries that are still holding up fairly well, and that's actually what will give us a strong foundation as we reopen, that we haven't had the, the level of household income losses that other places had, so that households still have in their budget, in their line items, restaurants and movie theaters or, and all of, all of those other fun activities that we like to do. It's just that right now there's no place for them to spend those dollars and they will partially get caught up as we reopen. It just will be very slow. Sure. How much will the outsized role of the federal government play in the region's economic recovery, Jeanette? The federal government will help us open back up a little bit faster, not necessarily on the policy side, but because of the types of work that it performs, that's not been disrupted. So the federal government workers can go back to work when it's safe to go back to work, whereas certain types of, I'll, I'll talk about restaurants again because that's been the hardest hit, there's, there are going to be, and there have already been, closures of existing restaurants. So there are fewer places for their workers to go back to work because there are fewer restaurants. And it will take time for new restaurants to replace them. So there's going to be a disruption from these consumer-based businesses that the professional and the federal government-based businesses won't experience. In the meantime, unemployment continues to soar nationally uh, as more businesses shutter. Can we expect to see more of the same here in the D.C. area as well, here in the short term? Yes. As this shutdown continues, so the leisure and hospitality sector, as I said earlier, lost about half of its jobs in April, as of mid-April. In general, the revenue streams for that sector are probably down somewhere around the 80 or 90 percent range. And so there are still workers that are being held on to that may not be able to get paid later on. And if the pandemic continues so that we're not reopening and that there's no movement in demand, that there are still some workers that will be continue to let go. Jeanette, we've kind of talked about how the decreased demand from both foreign and domestic consumers as well as declines in productivity have really shaken our economy. But have we seen the worst of it yet? If not, when might we expect that and how long do you see things before things get better? So the, the health crisis here is determining the economic trajectory. And right now, it looks as if the stay-at-home orders and the shutdowns have been effective. And that's why we're embarking on that phase one of reopening. And if everything goes as planned and there's no second wave of the virus and there are no outliers that happen. <laughs> it looks like we probably will have bottomed on the economic side. But again, that may be more optimistic. There are reasons to think that things, you know, things have not been going smoothly so far. So there's, you'd be sort of uh, balance that out uh, with, with what could happen. There are still many scenarios in which we have another uh, set of complications on the economic front. How big of a factor do you see these economic conditions and prognostications being the presidential election this coming November? And what effect could it have? In the fall, for the past several years, we have been having 
where the federal government has had these budget showdowns that have resulted in either federal government shutdowns or threats of shutdowns. Mm -hmm. And usually what happens around those periods is that our business activity pauses because it's hard to plan when the largest employer is not paying anyone. And so usually what happens is there's, there's a pause as these budget showdowns play out, and then the activity picks up later on in the spring or whenever the government reopens. That probably won't happen. And the effect of the pandemic is so much larger than a temporary disruption in the federal government that we probably won't feel any effect of the election or of any potential budget showdowns as much as we would have if there were not a pandemic. Looking long term now, of course, so much with, with the, with the uh, economic recovery of this virus, the deficit has kind of quietly gone crazy again. What's going to be the long term effects of this? on both the federal government and the nation as a whole? The role of the federal government peaked in our region around 2010. As of 2010, roughly 39% of our economy was tied to the federal government. And since then, it's shrunk. We had sequestration, the drawdown of the stimulus, the drawdown of the complex in Iraq and Afghanistan all pulled down the budget. Moving forward, the forecasts have always been that the federal government activity in our region would flatten out. We've reached a, a pivot point on several fronts, and so in the long term, it wasn't planning. We, we had not planned for it to grow on our economic side, and the, this doesn't fundamentally change that. It just means that there may be, during the next economic expansion, a stronger pullback. Now, finally, you know, in the short term, local businesses are now being forced to weigh the pros and cons about when to reopen, meaning they have to balance very real economic survival with very equally as real health risk. This is obviously all uncharted territory, but how did they make that decision and when? That decision will be very firm and place specific because right now, most people still aren't working in their normal place. They're not in their offices. And so some restaurants or retailers that have been closed in employment hubs may choose to open later because they're consumer base is still not quite back at work yet. Whereas some places that are more residential or more densely populated may choose to open earlier. But it is a balancing act, as you said, between weighing not only the health risk to their workers, but also what kind of demand they are anticipating. Because if they reopen and only get one or two customers a day, it may not be worth the overall risk and the overall cost. And Jeanette, finally, can you, can you talk us a little bit about what positive things that we had to look forward to here in the, in, in the region and what things that we have that can help this economy get back on track in, in a relatively short term? This pandemic is temporary and it is an exception in the historic economic situation for both the, the Washington region and the U.S. We haven't really experienced something quite like this before for a variety of reasons. And one of the things to remember is that unlike a normal recession or a depression, there hasn't been a broad-based loss of either consumer demand or production or economic productivity overall. It's just been paused. And that means that things will start to return and pivot going forward, but it will depend very heavily on how the health crisis plays out. But as long as workers are safe and households are safe, there's not 
been a fundamental shift in the economy overall as of yet. And so there's reason to think that as the health crisis abates, we will begin to start to see some normalcy on the economy side as well. But uh, that's going to wrap things up for us here at Access Excellence. I want to thank Jeanette Chapman for her time and valuable insights. We want to wish her well and everything ahead. I'm John Hollis. Thanks for joining us and please be safe. We'll see you next time. If you like what you heard on this podcast, or even if you didn't, or if you have a suggestion of what you'd like to hear, let us know at dchrisdodd at gmu.edu. That's D-C-R-I-S-T-O-D at gmu.edu.